0: Okay, so it has been a little bit of time that we've actually been able to catch up, but I have so many things that I want to catch you up on. The Cunnington House has been full of changes. Now, I know you guys have been following us since back in June when we began to ask the question, God, do you still have us where we are? Gosh, I think a lot of people that are listening today, you guys know what that feels like. And many of you have made life altering decisions. You've moved states. Maybe you decided to leave a workplace. Maybe you've changed your friendship group. I don't know, but it does feel like a lot of us have made some significant changes. And even in California, where we are, they said 50% of people in California are considering leaving the state. So there's just this kind of like swirl in the atmosphere with people. And even in our church environment, you tend to say like, hey, are you here? Like, are you really here? Are you staying here? <laughs> and so and a lot of times people aren't and that's exciting because that means they're doing something else that God's called them to and they're starting a new season and taking risk. If COVID taught us anything, I think it taught us uh, that life is precious and that ultimately who we are surrounded with really matters. Um, We spent a lot of time by ourselves, and we weren't able to lean on social environments or even work environments uh, to get those needs met. And so I think COVID caused a lot of us to just reevaluate and be like, is this what I want with my life? is this where I want to work? Is this who I want to be connected to? Is this the town I'm supposed to be living in? And so it really allowed us to ask those questions. I also think it showed us how we could actually live in a minimalistic way. Part of COVID allowed us to know that maybe we didn't need all of that stuff in our schedule to feel happy or fulfilled or healthy. And so that's been a really, for me personally, That's been a big wake-up call. So I've asked the questions, is this the right place? Are we on time? Uh, Should I take a risk? Um, You know, all the things. And so we've been asking that question for the last couple months. And if you are a believer and you actually let God help you make decisions – It is not an easy process. You know, a lot of times in this world, a lot of us will go, I'll make the decision and then ask God to bless it. Or, hey, I'll make the decision and then say I'm sorry later. Guys, that's not really being a Christ follower. That's being religious. That's kind of having a, I'm a person of faith when I need it, but that's not really being surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And also to be in relationship with him because he knows what's best for us. He wants what's best for us. And so, gosh, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm scared to do anything without the grace of God. I want him to help me and I want him to show me how to make the decisions that make sense for his call and purpose on my life. So because of all of that, I tend to wait and have to seek God. And I say have to because I'm not much of a waiter in my personality. I hate waiting. I probably shouldn't speak that out. Like into the atmosphere. I know that our, our our words have life and death on them. And so I I don't know how else to say it. It does. It's I hate lines. I hate waiting in, in airports. I hate waiting for my food. I, I don't like it. It feels like for everybody else, uh, it doesn't take them that long. For me, it feels like eternity. And I've been this way since I was a little girl. So the fact that I wait on God <laughs> the fact that I don't make a move without Him is like a sign of complete surrender and <laughs> a sign of like a changed life so it's okay if you're more one of those that jumps the gun and gets in there and makes decisions my suggestion is maybe it's time to let God be that veto vote in your life and really let him help you um so anyway I'm gonna stop preaching and I'll get back to our update so basically we were in this process of seeking God and Uh, You know, we even went out to Tennessee to see if God had something. And to be honest, we were going looking for a yes. I know and we're allowed to do that. That's not doesn't make it, you know, weird with God. No, I was telling God, God, I really want to leave where I am. I really want a new environment. I really want a fourth bedroom. I really want um a, a conservative uh, state. I mean, I that's just, you know, the things I was thinking, more freedom in certain areas. And yet when we went out there, God we just couldn't get a yes. We tried it. We walked around. We looked at homes. We went to an incredible church. We did everything that we knew would be important. And to be honest, there wasn't one negative thing about the environment. In fact, there were so many positive things That I just thought, this is weird. God, you should be saying yes to this. And yet God was saying no to us. It's not time. And so Ben and I sat for the months during the summer. And I mean, to the point where I was still getting like homes on Zillow coming at me um, through my email every day from Tennessee. That's what it was like. And it still is and i'm just waiting on god waiting on god ben and i would talk maybe once a week and hey any changes you feel you hear anything no not yet no i'm not sure and then of course california heats up we live on the face of the sun and then fires Everywhere. If you're in California, it is no joke, specifically those of us that are not by the ocean breeze. It just comes in. It's this thick smoke like fog and it has soot in it and it just carries it through the air. And so even our kids can't go outside. It's in the purple zone. It's just terrible for them. And so you know it's it's really bad when you're asking God to do something and change something, and then where you are gets worse <laughs> do you know what I mean where you're like, really God I mean if you want to you want me to make a decision to be here at least you could you know make it rain and yet again nothing and so we of course sat here in the summer with the smoke with the heat and just all the changes and it just felt like God, what are you doing and on seasons like that, in seasons like that for me personally, I go into what is the one thing you asked me to do today? I cannot decide my future. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know if that's how we're going to end up living. I, I can't make all those decisions. And I'm, I really have to control myself to not sit with my computer and Google search all of my fantasy life that I want and figure all this stuff out and, you know, cons- and, and design my life. Versus saying, okay, you know what? That is something I have no control over. But what I do have control over is today. And what's the one thing that I can do to please you, God, and to bring you glory? And so that was my focus all summer long. What's the one thing I can do today that pleases you and gives you glory? And then all of a sudden, I am asked to come and meet with our leadership team here at Bethel Church. Now, I am not in that space often. Bethel is my home church. I'm a pastor. Um, I come home. I'm here. This is how it's always been. There was a season that I've run the Women's Conference, um, and then I partnered with our senior leaders to do that for a season. But that's really been my world. I led More Revolution for five, six years in this environment. And when I stepped out to do truth to table full time, right? No salary, but truth to table, no commitments uh, except truth to table. That's where my life was. And that has been always where it is. And um, so anyway, I, I get called into the office, the principal's office. I'm kidding. And I had mentioned to our staff here, some of our key leaders, that I would be open to serving in the women's ministry because I believe that women are the heart of the environment and women have been working so hard in this season. Like if you are a woman who's a breadwinner and you're by yourself and you're having to figure that out, that's tough. A lot of women, maybe you are newly married or you have a new baby or, you know, you've got a job and a marriage. And I mean, it's all the things, but in a woman's heart, we want to nurture. We want to make sure everybody, you know, stays alive. <laughs> it's amazing. it's it's this part of us that wants uh, to just make it not mechanical, but but to have life and a home. And it's been tough, especially in this season for women. It's very tough when you're trying to nurture yourself as a female, as well as, you know, uh, nurture your family or your husband, maybe homeschool your kids, try to work a full-time job. It has been really difficult. And so I just said, I really want to see our women at Bethel Church just thrive no matter what. And I would love to serve. I would love to be a part of a team. um, But I just, whatever I can do. And so um, we had to postpone a couple of those times that those conversations because of some stuff happening here. So I just was waiting, waiting, waiting. And then they said, let's meet about what we've decided. And to be honest, I know you would think I would be misconfident, but I wasn't. I was like, they're going to let me down slowly. This is it. Like, have a let. It's okay. You have truth to the table. They're going to say that, you know, we love you, but we don't, we really don't want you doing anything in our environment. Now, that's not true. But you know what I mean? Like, your mind goes into that space where you're like, this is it. They're here to confront me. I know it. It's all the church wounds of the past are coming uh, like, you know, Christmas Eve night. Anyway, I knew that I had dealt with my own insecurity with those things, and I knew that Truth to Table was my space, and I got to happen there. And so my motivation at Bethel was to serve. So if that meant being an usher, if that meant collecting uh, papers, I, I didn't care. Like, ultimately, I just want to serve. And what I wanted to do, and I, this is what I explained, was I wanted to lend my strength. So yes, I could serve in all different areas and I'm okay with that. But I'm in a season in my life, in my 40s, where I've been around the block a couple times and I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm terrible at. And if you ask me to admi- administrate something, I'm terrible at that. If you ask me to be on a female committee where women make decisions in groups, I'm terrible at that. If you ask me to, uh, you know, make it, uh, you know, tea parties and, uh, you know, craft fairs, I'm terrible at that. It's not going to be my jam. But I'm really good at you know pulling women in and and really talking about calling no matter what season you're in whether you're a single woman at 20 or you're a woman who's an empty nester at 50 i just love to remind women about the call and the grace on their lives i'm really good at communicating the word of god that's a gift that i've worked on and worked on and i'm good at it i'm not i'm not the best by any means i'm not a very uh uh, incredible deep teacher uh, a theological or doctrine you know a doctrinal teacher that's not my grace and I'm clear but I am really good at taking practical things um, that we do in our lives our complicated topics in scripture and breaking it down you guys can you hear that that clarity that comes in your 40s. So some of you are like 20 and you're like, what am I doing with my life? And I'm saying you need a little bit more mileage on the car before you get really clear. I I love this. I want to believe that I made this up. I don't think I did. But someone said your 20s is where you're adding things in. Your 30s is where you're editing. And your 40s is where you're mastering. So in my 20s, I'll do a little this. I'll do a little that. I'll do event planning. I'll be a receptionist. I'll go on that mission trip, I'll date that person. I'm just testing. I'm adding I'm going is this me is this not me is this me in your 30s you start to have the yeah that's not me I'm I'm willing to kind of push through but I'm not sure that's me and you're just you know figuring it out and you're seeing the difference and then in your 40s you're like no That's, that's not happening. I am not going to be good at that. I am not going to fake it till I make it. I'm just going to fake it and it's going to be a disaster. (laughs) And so that's what I've been really clear. So I explained to the team here, listen, these are what I, these are the things I'm good at. I added a few more things. This is what I'm good at. Uh, but wherever I go, I want to lend that type of strength to the environments. And I've had other opportunities and offers to go other places. Uh, but again, I know that this has been my home church and I love it here and I want to be here, Uh, but I don't want to spend the rest of my life on the fourth row watching everything happen. And again, there was a season when that made sense. I had four littles. There was no way for me to get up there and serve on the road and at my church. There was no way for me to be on staff there and on staff at Truth the Table. But I'm not in that season anymore. And if you have littles, I just want you to know you're going to get yourself back if you're still wiping bottoms and you're still carrying car seats and you're still up in the middle of the night, that that is not, you do not feel this way. And it feels like forever. Like I'm going to be this type of person forever. I have lost myself. Havila was amazing. I remember she used to get up rested. She used to be able to put her pants on the right way. Like, That It feels like a distant memory. But when your kids get older and I would say, and you guys could correct me or like add this onto my socials when we talk about it. But I would say when my youngest turned five, that's when everything changed. It all shifted. And once my four boys went to school full time, it was as if I was reborn. It was incredible. I now understood why my girlfriends that had kids in school could bring me coffee or go out to lunch, but that was impossible when I had little. So that's for me. And I have a pretty good capacity, but um, I also didn't want my kids to be um, sleeping in car seats and never seeing me and always having the babysitter put them to bed and always, you know, not sure what they were eating or what they were watching. I was just, I really wanted to be in their lives for those things. So. Regardless, I basically have this energy now and this opportunity to lend my strength like never before. So these are the things I'm beginning to see and witness. And COVID shut everything down to where I wasn't on the hamster wheel of the next thing that I had to do. I can actually ask myself, is this who I am? And am I enjoying this? And if that never comes back, am I cool with that? Or if it never comes back, would that be really sad for me? And those are the things that really helped me figure it out. So Anyway, this feels like a long story, but we're going to get there. So uh, they call me into the office and they basically say to me, "Um, "Havila, we want you to be the women's pastor here. We want you to help us champion the women in this environment. And we're really excited about this. And I was sitting in the seat, and I had to have him repeat it, because I was so shocked. I said, "Wait, are you asking me to be the women's pastor here?" <laughs> and Dan goes, "Yes, have a. that's what we're asking." <laughs> so I sat there, and um, again, I was humbled and amazed and excited, and I think I realized why I was excited, because I am a pioneer. I like starting things. I like it when things are tough and we get to push through and see something happen. And so this is the perfect time for me to contribute because I'm really good at taking things, not that our women's ministry needed the boost, but with COVID and the world shutting down and then our senior leaders, um, you know, God calling them to plant a church, it's been a, a little bit crazy around here. So I get excited about giving women that opportunity and I get really excited about doing it at my home church. And so I said to them, you know what? I would love to do that. I need to talk to Ben, of course, but I'll do it for one year because I want to see if it's a fit. And you guys, that's really important. Whatever we're doing, this is not a lifetime. Now don't do that in marriage. (laughs) Don't do that when you have a child. But in other things, it's okay to say, I'm not sure if this fits in my life. Let me try it for one year and let's see. And so they were gracious enough to let me have that practice time. And then I said to them, you know, I think what this does for me inside, which I'm so excited, is A, I love the idea of doing it at my home church. B, I love the idea of raising up other women. And we have powerful women in our environment, but showing them how to be better and stronger and lead better. And then I also get excited about having peers because I have to work hard. Um, in my life, to get those peers, those people that are smarter than me and greater than me—not that I'm smarter or greater—I I simply mean that when I'm ministering them on the road, you know, they're bringing me in to be the the smartest person in the room, or to be to carry carry the grace, the anointing in the room. And so sometimes it's hard to be in spaces that I can just find other women that understand it and are doing it and I can relax and go, yeah, you too, me too. We're in the trenches together. So I get really excited about that. So I went home, Ben and I talked about it and we said, okay, we're going to do this at least for a year. So that meant everything paused. That meant the idea of leaving or changing opportunities and places. We just said, nope. So anyway, I told my kids that they can call me Pastor Havila from here on out. <laughs> Just kidding. They were like, "No, no, mom." Uh, but that's what we're gonna do. We're st- we're gonna stick around, and I'm gonna help serve Bethel Church as the women's pastor, and I'm going to help serve the other powerful women that are are in env- are in our environment, and I'm going to help serve and build a worldwide women's movement um, that is filled with the presence and the purpose and filled with the prophetic. And I'm so stinking excited. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm so excited. So that has been the change in our lives. And that, of course, is the domino effect. So that means the kids are staying in their school. And that means we're staying in this city. And that means all the things that we are working towards, okay, that means we're paused. So what else is happening? Well, we need a different home. And the truth is, California is insane. They're not building homes. Uh, it's very, the the market is crazy. You, you, it's at the top right now. And I believe it's going to drop in a little while, at least a little bit. And so we're waiting for that. But that's what, that's the part that we're like, okay, God, if you want us to stay, then we need a th- Fourth bedroom. We just do. We need a bedroom that when my parents come to stay, they can stay for a while. You know, so that's something that's important. We need a home that has a pool because we live in a, an environment that's so terribly hot that you need relief. And so we've had to put a pool in. We waited seven years, finally put a pool in. And I'm like, Lord, I cannot go to a house that we can't have a pool. So that's another thing. And pools have gone up $50,000 compared to what they were last time we put our pool in. So that's another reality. And um, I also need an environment that we could be in for you know, possibly the rest of our kids' school life. So those are the things I'm thinking about. It hasn't been resolved. If I think about it too much, I can start feeling anxious and kind of frustrated about it. But ultimately... I'm glad that God answered one question for me. If he didn't answer all six, that's okay. Um, so that's what's happening at the Kennington uh, home. And, you know, I don't know where you are, what is happening in your life, but I will say I had no no idea that that was going to come. I had no uh, preconceived ideas that that door was going to be opened. Um, but I did know that God said no, and I waited. And so for many of you that have waited, you're just sitting where you are. I don't know what doors are going to be open, but I'm confident that if God asked you to wait, then God has something in store for you. So I hope this encourages you guys. Hey, on a side note, two things. First thing, I don't know if you heard our boundaries series on the podcast. We did boundaries. We called it boundaries refresh in the month of August. Go back and listen to those podcasts. They were brilliant. I had had brilliant Uh, guests on the show and it was one of our top rated um, podcast series. Everyone loved it. And then secondly, I'm doing an event called Created for More. You're going to see a lot more of that stuff um, coming your way about the event. It's absolutely free. It's September 13th, 14th, and 15th. It's called Created for More. And I want you to come. I want you to join me. All my Australian friends, English, Irish, uh, you know, all of my Brazilian women. Come on, come to this event. It's gonna be incredible. It's absolutely free. All you have to do is register at the TruthAcademy.com. Don't forget the 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 Save your seat. And you guys, this was a great day, great show, and I'll see you next time.